This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 47. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hey, welcome. Today we're going to talk. take a closer look at empathy. And uh, let's start with a definition. Empathy bridges the gap between the self and others. And it can be all kinds of different things. It's not just one thing. So empathy, it's a mental process, which is basically what happens in your head from start to finish. It's an accurate understanding of someone else. um, And this would include their thoughts, feelings, characteristics and stuff like that. Empathy is also the sharing of an emotional state and the experience of parallel emotions, which is basically when you feel the same as someone else is feeling right now. It's also an emotional response, such as, for example, sympathy or compassion. And last but not least, empathy leads to certain behaviors. So they can be these can be behaviors about trying to relieve suffering or to communicate empathy and understanding. Now, often more selfishness is displayed than is necessarily for survival. And that's interesting because we always, we always think that, well, we are selfish because evolution has made us that way. But actually, we don't have to be as selfish as we often are to survive. So what is going on? And it's easy to behave in a way that helps us or our in-group, but comes at a cost for outsiders. Now, when it comes to empathy, some empathic processes require more cognitive energy than others. So for example, we often automatically change our voice, mimic facial expressions, and we do this often unconsciously, and this requires very little mental energy. However... Sorry for that. If you're a first-time listener, I'm uh, incredibly sorry. But I thought that this weird, genuine cough actually sounded like a sound effect, so I decided to let it in. I'm terribly sorry if you're offended by it. So, we were talking about processes and taking someone else's perspective on the other hand now we were talking before about unconscious processes which require very little mental investment on the other hand there's this idea of taking someone else's perspective and that is pretty taxing because number one we have to suppress selfish motives and number two we have to make an effort to see someone else's perspective now emotion The emotion of empathy, the process of empathy, and the behaviors surrounding empathy, they don't just exist in a a vacuum. Basically, what happens is that there are conditions, and there are situational conditions. So, for example, in which situations are you most likely to allow yourself to feel empathy? I would suggest that you're probably not in a hurry you have sufficient resources and maybe there are no other people to help because it's been shown that people when there are a lot of people standing around nobody feels responsible because everybody feels like well someone else is going to do something about it 
But then there are also personal conditions. So do you have your own life, your own situation under control? Um, doesn't it conflict with another goal that you have? And I'd like you to think about the conditions which need to be in place so that you can be your most empathic selves. Now I'd like to look at interventions. So first we're going to look at goals and then at techniques and then at findings. So there are different goals that we can have when we think about how to influence empathy. One is to change the emotional state of someone in, the, in a precise moment. So in a given situation, how can we change someone from feeling nothing to feeling empathy? Again, think about your own life. When has somebody succeeded in making you feel empathic? Or when has a situation made you feel empathic instantly? Another goal is to improve the overall ability to feel empathy. Now, how likely are you to feel empathy for others in general? Do you easily sense how others are feeling or do you need to be told? Another goal is to improve knowledge or someone else's situation. And the reasoning here is that if you know more about someone, what's going on in someone else's life or about someone else's situation, you will automatically feel more empathic towards them. Do you feel you are more empathic when you know more or do you have a shield to remain functional, to remain a functional human being? If so, what gets you to put that shield down? And lastly, um, a goal is to improve empathic connection. What does a deep sense of empathic connection feel like for you? Is it something you're familiar with or is it more of a rare experience? Now, there are different techniques to change how people relate to empathy and to achieve these goals. One is perspective taking. And perspective taking can be achieved in both direct and indirect ways. So an indirect way is to think about something and imagine it in your mind. So, for example, Instead of watching a movie or instead of talking to an actual refugee, I might ask you to picture what it's like to sleep on a mat with five other people and there's a bathroom for 300 people, one bathroom for 300 people. So I can give you a few cues and you can try to imagine what that's like, even if you've never experienced it before. But then there's also direct, the direct experience of perspective taking through role play or using props or by actually going through something consciously. So one idea to do this, basically, if you want to simulate hearing loss, you can spend the whole day with earplugs. Another one that was done was a study where medical students were admitted to hospital with fake illnesses so they could experience what it's like to be a patient. And in my opinion, every doctor should do this at least once in their lives, if not more often, if they tend to forget. Because it's sometimes pretty weird that like, I mean, I was in hospital once and it just never occurred to anyone that after like 
eight or nine hours, you might actually have to eat. And, and, and that's just strange to me. And I think if, if more doctors will go and nurses will go through the experience themselves, they would probably figure that one out. Perspective taking leads to different incomes, no incomes, sorry, outcomes. And uh, one of them is sympathy. Um, it's increased helping behavior and interestingly, more forgiveness. So if you're struggling with forgiveness, the idea of maybe trying to put yourself into the shoes of whoever did you wrong, even if it was you yourself, might actually help. Then there is another technique or another set of techniques to improve empathy. And um, those are called instructional approaches. So one is the, you know, one of those are the good old fashioned lectures where we just sit and listen and a teacher talks or somebody talks. Then there are discussion groups which focus on real world examples of suffering and empathy. And there's activity based learning. Another one that's probably very, very powerful is the use of media. So that will be movies and videos. And we often think of TV as something really superficial, but actually it has the power to make people empathize in a way that often goes beyond what lectures and classes can ever achieve. Last but not least, there are skill trainings. So again, there are different skills. Remember when we talked, when we started at the beginning, we said that empathy is not just one thing, it's different things. So we have to train different things to be able to improve our ability to be empathic. One is to improve observation to detect what's going on. And that includes facial expressions, gestures, understanding and interpreting somebody's voice and also interpreting what's said because words they might be straightforward but we all know what it sounds like when somebody's saying something but they might have left something out or they said it and maybe they're not being serious and we know that and that's something that's very important to be able to detect that when you want to be more empathic it also includes being a good listener and a good listener first and foremost does not judge or interrupt and a good listener communicates interests with or without using words and then of course we also have to learn how to respond we demonstrate our understanding of what the other person said we maintain eye contact and there has to be a certain congruency between what our own body is saying and what comes out of our mouths. And that's incredibly important because if we say that we feel terribly sorry, but our body feels hard and closed off, that's not very believable and actually quite detrimental. Are you good at these things? What would happen if you would improve these skills? Now, it has been found that Increasing the ability to empathize is most helpful when people are close to each other psychologically. However, that doesn't mean that it's not helpful if you're not close. It just means it's more helpful if you are. What they found is that especially the communication aspect of empathy can be trained really well. So the whole 
you know, observing, listening, responding, that part can be really trained well. And we know that long-term interventions and multiple sessions beat short-term one-off sessions. And we, but we do know very little about how long the observed effects last. So they need to do more research on that. It has also been shown, and that might seem like a common sense, but actually in the corporate world and the world in general, we often sent to training such as, you know, uh, sexual assault classes or, yeah, I don't know, all these different classes that we are supposed to take, you know, for diversity and I don't know whatnot. And they have very low success rates. And the reason is that people are obliged to go. And they don't attend because they want to go. And that is actually pretty much almost never helpful. The good news is that these kind of interventions have been successful even in extremely challenging circumstances, such as with genocide survivors and their perpetrators, or people from opposite sides of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, I don't know about you, but some of the best experiences of my life have come from being able to feel true empathy and take another perspective that is actually different from my own. And this doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is always suffering. It can also mean that they just have a radically different view from mine. A few years ago, I was extremely interested in Judaism, so I started reading reading and listening to a lot of lectures, and some of the rules struck me as pretty strange, or even wrong at the beginning. For an example, one that gave me a little bit of a headache was that if an animal hadn't been slaughtered in exactly the right way, the meat was not kosher. So kosher means okay and um, okay to consume or to use for a religious Jew. So that means that if the cut was not exactly at that particular part of the throat that the rabbis deemed to be correct, then the whole whole animal was worthless, basically. And my, my first response was, well, that's a terrible waste of life. I mean, what is that? Who who comes up with something like that? But without having Jewish friends, I really, really cared about my conclusion would have probably been just that. I would have had not a lot of motivation to ponder this point any further. But then I said to myself, well, I don't understand this now, but there is probably a reason I'm not aware of right now. So I just let it go. And um, I was wondering about it, but I didn't really necessarily pursue the matter. And then a little later, it occurred to me that this rule placed the maximum amount of pressure on the butcher to kill the animal in the most humane way. So if the butcher is half-assed about it, he won't be able to sell the whole animal. And that's a big economic loss for him. So that's a huge reason to do your work right, to kill the animal in the way that it suffers the least, and only then will it be kosher. And that really reminded me of the importance of being able to take perspective. And I have to admit that this this 
mental energy. I wouldn't have um, invested it necessarily if I wouldn't have had friends, and that would have there wouldn't have been like some cognitive dissonance, some pressure on me basically, because if I would have basically said that these rules are or most of them are dumb, it would somehow imply that my friends are dumb, right? So. That doesn't mean everything always makes sense to me just because I love someone, but if we care about someone, that emotion can motivate us to invest the mental energy to figure something out that we otherwise maybe wouldn't. Alright, so talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, and before I forget, um, Vic from Minnesota, thanks a lot for reaching out to me via Twitter. I am extremely happy that you have the ambition to listen through all episodes of the Positive Psychology Podcast. It makes me happy. So if any of you want to say hello on Twitter, and email is too much, just go to Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, T-R-U-E, M as in mother, P as in papa, Y, and that's on. That will be on Twitter. All right, take care. Have a great week. Thanks very much. Hang on. I just remembered that I forgot to say thank you to Simon from Argau in Switzerland. He also submitted a review. Let's check that on out. So Simon said. Based on evidence, this brings you invaluable insight in different aspects of life to increase your flourishing and well-being. It will influence how you look at life and interaction with others. I highly recommend it. Five stars. Well, thank you, Simon. That's very kind of you. All right. Now, I think, seriously, goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>